Hello, I'm Jonathan Mast, and welcome to this edition of the Sedgwick Podcast. And today we are talking about navigating hurricane season. And once again, it is uh, that time of year, and we've brought together three of the best experts that Sedgwick have to give us some insight. Uh, with me today is Drew McCallum, Sales and Client Development, Jay Sitapara, Regional Manager, Loss Adjusting, and Revel Boulan, Senior Service Marine uh, Manager with Sedgwick. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Well, I know that it is beginning to begin, beginning to begin the busy season, and you guys have been preparing uh, already, and uh, hurricane season is starting to get talked about a lot. And so, you know, being halfway through 2023, Jay, what can you tell us about the first few weeks of hurricane season? And as best you can in your crystal ball, what's coming our way for the remainder of the year? Yeah, John, uh, as you probably know, uh, the Atlantic hurricane season uh, runs from June 1st to November 30th. And typically, these first couple months are fairly inactive. Um, these first couple months, it's crucial for anyone living in these hurricane-prone areas to start prepping, uh, developing a game plan, getting the necessary supplies that if a storm were to make landfall, they are ready. Um, as far as what's coming our way, it's hard to predict exactly what's what's coming. Uh, experts predict it to be a near-normal hurricane season. And while uh, people outside of uh, the insurance industry may think near-normal is normal, uh, near-normal means uh, at least 12 main storms. Uh, five to nine hurricanes, and one to four of them being major hurricanes. So it doesn't mean we're in the clear anytime soon just yet. No, it's, it is definitely a if – you, if you could get it right, you would probably, you know, be retired somewhere, correct, on predicting the, the hurricanes. But it, it does yeah. sound, again, like we've got to be prepared. So, Andy, uh, you know, we know that our readiness for a storm directly – affects the speed with which uh, we can in inspect lost sites and adjust claims. So what does the preparedness stage look like? And for our listeners, are there steps that can be taken even before a storm hits to ensure a smoother recovery? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that our folks in our CAT division do, and they do it very well, is they immediately solve for X, and that is an ongoing day-in and day-out process. Uh, because there's so many variables that relate to preparedness for catastrophe, and that includes resources, unknown asks. So when a carrier comes along three weeks into a storm and asks for resources, these are things that we need to always be prepared for and plan for best and worst-case scenarios. We also need to plan for putting resources on the back end of a event so that inevitably you're going to have reinspections and contested claims. And so Bo and John and Danny and all of these teams are really day in and day out recruiting, actuating plans, putting things into the context of the service level agreements that we have with our customers and on top of that, they have to train 
five to 10,000 people day in and day out to do things the way that our customers have asked us to do them. So it's, it is a daunting task for these folks. Yeah, the the teamwork and the resources that we we have it's it's amazing, but so much to do. And back to you, Jay. Uh, so to speak, once the coast is clear, you know, what steps do we take to respond to catastrophe? Because I know it's it's pretty phenomenal what we've got in place. Yeah, you know, uh, Andy made so many good points. It's uh, really all about knowing our client expectations and in, and needs in advance. Um, this really helps me and my team kind of develop a game plan on how we're going to respond and who we're going to send and where we're going to send them. Um, the last thing we want to ever do is overcommit or strip our branch offices uh, from the daily adjusters because um, when we do get a cat event, we still have the daily work, and we want to make sure we can service that as well. Um, as far as when the coast is clear, uh, we start uh, deploying our pre-screened adjusters, building consultants, engineers, uh, marine surveyors uh, to the impacted area. Uh, by then, we already have uh, buckets of new files for many of these guys, uh, or we attach them to a specific client or program, and this is all done before the cat actually hits. Um, you know, and then one of the struggles we had in the past was uh, finding housing close enough uh, to the impacted areas. Um, thankfully, we acquired temporary accommodations a couple years ago, and they've been a great help in finding us hotels um, close enough to the CAT event. Um, and in turn, this really minimizes our team's drive time and maximizes our, our productivity and the turnaround time for our clients so we can offer the best work product possible. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not the storm hits and then we show up. You guys are so focused and have such good ability that that you're there, you're watching everything and moving the chess pieces before it happens. So uh, amazing work. And Revel, what are, going to you now, what are a few risks to consider before, during, and after a hurricane that, that impacts the marine space specifically? Because I know there's a lot that goes into that. Thank you. Yes, it's a, it's a very different space because we're dealing with movable objects. So we've got the boats which might have specific mooring locations or they might be cruising into certain areas where a storm's coming into impact and they've got to find berths or a secure place to moor it. So what we do quite often and hopefully do it quite well is we like to pre-plan and triage with different vendors that we use, whether it's salvage companies, recover companies, companies that we use that provide hard space for where we might store these boats after the storm passes. And so that goes into planning very early on in the process, usually in April or May. So we can not only discuss what the upcoming season looks like and what risks are associated in certain areas, depending where, where our clients might have risks, but also what we learn from past experiences, what worked, what didn't work, and how can we improve on that both to better the experience for the clients and for the customers. And, you know, this is, it's ever evolving because it is marine and we don't know where these folks might end up after the storm. We don't know what condition they're going to be and what we might have to do to recover them. So we really just try to take all that into, into account. But the triaging is a big part of that early on in the process to make sure that we consider everything that we can and then we make sure we're adaptable and flexible 
to account for what we couldn't consider and what shows up at the tail end of the storm once it's passed that we're able to respond quickly to it. And Andy, uh, coming back to you, how do we help our insurance carrier clients handle the influx of claims associated with a hurricane and how do we continue to support their impacted policyholders post-loss? Well, I think that beckons back to the discussion about just the preparedness point, but also living the Sedgwick methods, uh, empathy, accountability, collaboration, growth, and inclusion, and looking at everything through that prism and being able to, one, put yourself in the policyholder's shoes and being able to effectively impact their lives with empathy and accountability all at the same time so you're satisfying the customer's needs and paying what is owed and being informative and being on the scene and dealing with you know unmet challenge or unanticipated challenges like difficult contractors or public adjusters or scenarios that just require you to kind of keep your knees bent but the reality is is Cedric does a great job of training their folks, providing great leadership and direction, and putting the right people in the right place to do the right things at the right time. And, Revel, although we are in the business of property claims, our ultimate purpose is taking care of people, just as Andy said. And in the wake of a traumatic storm, one of the most important things that we do is deliver with empathy. Could you share with our audience uh, an example of a claim experience that you have that that kind of speaks to this? Well, thanks. And, yes, Andy definitely hit the nail on the head with with what he said earlier about how we try to take care of of the ultimate customer being the insured and making sure that we deliver our claim services in an empathetic way. And one, one of the big things to take into consideration for marine is because these are vessels, they all have hurricane plans. And those hurricane plans are generally a warranty of the policy. And if they're not followed, it could be considered a breach of the policy warranties. But what we try to do on every situation is evaluate whether they were acting prudently at all times. So they might not have been in compliance with the hurricane plan, But did they take prudent steps? Did they do everything that they could to protect the vessel, protect the insurable interest? And quite oftentimes, you'll find that these insureds do. And so by utilizing our empathetic viewpoint on this and our experience is that we make sure to highlight what those individual insureds have done, even if they hadn't complied with their hurricane plan, what they actually did, what steps they took, and relay that onto the carrier. So the carrier has the facts of the matter, but they can also do the final evaluation as to whether or not the individual was acting prudently because that might allow for the claim to proceed instead of what otherwise might have resulted in a denial. And I've had there's more more than I can count of matters like that, and we just found a lot that came out of Hurricane Ian as well where a boat was supposed to be ashore, but it was afloat. And on one particular instance, the the boat was not in compliance with its hurricane plan, but the assured had tried to do everything that he could to secure the boat. He went to the right hurricane-rated dock. He deployed extra fenders, extra lines, additional anchors, 
He did everything reasonably could be expected of him. So we made sure to document all that, highlight it to the carrier to show what actions he took, and then support him through the claims process when he knew that he hadn't been able to comply with his hurricane plan. And ultimately, he received a settlement for for his vessel and came out, you can't say in the best condition possible, because unfortunately, he lost his boat as a result of this, which was also his home. But by supporting him through the process and making sure that we took that extra empathetic step to highlight these areas where he had tried to do the right thing, ultimately, he was able to get a claim settlement. Well, that that is a great example. And I think it goes to the point of how much above and beyond that you guys, uh, you know, our team goes. So wrapping up, Andy, one of the challenges unique to catagesting is the vast range of needs necessary to handle different types of damage. Making it important to understand the claims process and having the right resources. So how does Sedgwick ensure hundreds and potentially thousands of people filing claims at one time are all taken care of? Uh, This is my favorite topic to speak of because I come from business development and I'm so proud of the resources that Sedgwick has internal to the company. Uh, Look at Revel and his group and how we get numerous calls for them to do things that are very specialized. If you're looking at something like an oil refinery or a condo unit or a hotel or something very specialized or environmental issues or dangerous scenarios, uh, moving people around, whether it took uh, taking a helicopter that Sedgwick uh, put together for folks to get transported to an island at one point during a hurricane, every project is individualized and managed by our impressive leadership group who will put something in place to move the needle forward, to make sure that we service our clients. And I could talk for three hours about this, Jonathan. I know you don't have the time, but this is something that I tell my folks all the time that we are – We've got it. If if it's a need that you have and you need a subject matter expert on it, we have it. And like I said, uh, Jay and Revel are both perfect examples of uh, how great our leadership is and what we do here at Sedgwick. Well, you couldn't have said it better. And I know all three of you are, again, viewed as uh, some of, if not the best, in the industry. And I appreciate you. I know this is, is the busy time uh, for you and our teams and, and everybody that's uh, doing this for Cedric is out there working hard. And So if people want to learn more, they can visit, visit us at Cedric.com and check out all the resources, learn how to get in touch with uh, everybody on this call. And um, so once again, thanks for being with me today. Thanks, thanks for Jonathan. Having us. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. Appreciate until it. Next, you bet. And so until next time, listeners, we'll catch you then.